Welcome to Living the Bible Together. This is Dr. Troy Shaw, pastor of the Liberty Hill Church, internationally headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship here online Sundays at 11 a.m. We celebrate communion on the first Sunday of each month. Our Bible study is on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. For additional information, log on to livingthebibletogether.org. Join us here weekly as we're living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Good evening, Liberty Hill. Tonight's Bible study will be coming out of 1 Samuel chapter 9, and then we will look at a portion of chapter 10. I will be teaching out of the NIV version. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you yet again for another opportunity to come into your presence to study your word. Lord God, it is my prayer that you open every ear to hear and every heart to receive all that it is that you would have for us to receive. And dear God, I will be so careful to give you all the honor, glory, and praise because I recognize that it all belongs to you. And so it is in your son Jesus' name that I pray this prayer. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zorah, the son of Bakrath, the son of Aphia, of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. Now, the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area of Shalisha, but they did not find them. They went on into the district of Shalem, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they did not find them. When they reached the district of Zuth, Saul said to to the servant, who was with him, come, let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. But the servant replied, look, in this town, there is a man of God. He is highly respected and everything he says come true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. Saul said to his servant, if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered him again. Look, he said, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. Formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire of God, they would say, come, let us go to the seer because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. Good, Saul said to his servant, come, let's go. So they set out for the town where the man of God was. As they were going up the hill of, to the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water. And they asked them, is the seer here? He is, they answered. He's ahead of you. Hurry now. He has just come to our town today for the people have a sacrifice at the high place. As soon as you enter the town, you will find him because, before he goes up to the high place to eat. The people will not begin eating until he comes because... He must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Go up now. You should find him about this time. 
They went up to the town, and as they were entering it, there was Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the high place. Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me, and in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family? Saul answered, But I am not a ben but I am but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number. Samuel said to the cook, bring me, bring the piece of meat I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside. So the cook took up the thigh with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, here is what has been kept for you. Eat because it was set aside for you for this occasion from the time I said I have invited guests. And Saul dined with Samuel that day. After they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house. They rose about daybreak and Samuel called to Saul on the roof. Get ready and I will send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. As they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so, but you stay here for a while so that I may give you a message from God. Chapter 10. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him saying, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelza on the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, the donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabar. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to, go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. The spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do for God is with you. 
Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. But you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart and, and all these signs were fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A man who lived there answered, And who is their father? So it became a saying, Is Saul also among the prophets? After Saul stopped prophesying, he went to the high place. Now Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, Where have you been? Looking for the donkeys, he said. But when we saw they were not found, we went to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, tell me what Samuel said to you. Saul replied, he assured us that the donkeys had been found. But he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. So in the reading. As we examine this evening's text, we will see the invisible hand of God moving to accomplish his plan to anoint Saul, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, to be the first king of Israel. However, Saul is unaware of God's plan. He is unaware that God has chose him to be the first king of Israel. He is unaware that God's hand is moving um, in order to accomplish his plan, and that plan is to anoint him to be the first king of Israel. And likewise, there are times in our lives where we are unaware of God's hand moving in our life. But just because we are unaware of God's hand moving, just because we can't detect it, see it, or sense it, it doesn't mean that it is not moving. And so as we examine chapter 9 and a portion of chapter 10 we will see the steps that God takes in order to accomplish his plan some of there are some of the steps that God is taking although they may seem on the surface they may seem mundane they may seem common or ordinary but what we will discover is that the very thing that seems ordinary or mundane those are the things that God is using to connect Saul to his purpose. And likewise, as God is moving us, as his hand is moving to accomplish his plan for our lives, as he is, is moving us through the steps, as he is taking the steps that he is using to accomplish his plan, although some of the steps or some of the events that are taking place in our lives Although they may seem mundane, although on the surface they seem ordinary, we will soon discover that it is these things, these very things that God is using in order to connect us to our purpose. And so as we get started here, let's look at verse 3. In verse 3, we will find the kickoff to God's plan. God's plan starts with Kish, the father of Saul, his donkeys were lost. 
Here is an event. Some donkeys that are lost. These are, this is a mundane event that has occurred. It is an ordinary thing. It is not uncommon for donkeys to wander off. God is using this event to kick off his plan for Saul's life. With these lost donkeys, Saul's father Kish sends him on an assignment. And this assignment that his father sends him on is all a part of God's plan. At this particular time, Saul is unaware that this is part of God's plan. But here it is. Saul's father Kish sends him on an assignment and that assignment is to look for these lost donkeys. And not only do Kish sends Saul on this assignment, but he tells Saul to take one of his servants with him to go look for these donkeys. This mundane event is the kickoff to God's plan. And in the same sense, there are situations in our lives where they seem mundane, whether it's a situation or an event or a circumstance. It seems ordinary or common that has taken place and that we have been placed on an assignment, whether by a manager on our job or by our pastor in our church or by a teacher in our school. We have been placed on an assignment and that assignment doesn't seem glitzy. It seems very common. It seems ordinary. It doesn't look like or have the appearance that it could be connected to our plan, to a plan or purpose God has for us. It just looks ordinary. But just like this assignment that Saul has been placed on, even though he is unaware of it, this assignment that he has been placed on is connected to his purpose. This very assignment will lead him to his purpose. And in the same way, the assignments that we have been assigned to, no matter how unimportant they seem or no matter how ordinary they seem or uncommon, no matter if they don't seem like they are connected to our future, our purpose, or the plans of God, even though it doesn't look like it, it doesn't mean that it's not. Because we could be like Saul, we can be unaware that this assignment that we are on is in fact connected to our greater purpose. And so Saul is sent on an assignment by his father, and that assignment is to look for his lost donkeys. And so Saul and his servant, they move forward. Verse 4, it says that he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area of Shalisha, but they did not find them. They went on into the district of Shalem, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they did not find them. When they reached the district of Zeus, Saul said to the servant who was with him, come, let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. Saul is in the process of executing his assignment. He has left his father and he has moved forward in looking for these donkeys. He's passing through hill countries of Ephraim, through the area of Shalise. He's gone through the district of Shalem and through the territory of Benjamin. And he is not able to find these donkeys. And so once he reached the district of Zut, he still hadn't found the donkeys. And he made a decision. He has decided to turn back. He says he's making the decision 
to give up, to throw in a towel and turn back. And so he says to his servant that is with him, come, let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about me. And so even Saul's decision of wanting to turn back is part of God's plan. God had already factored in that Saul would want to turn back. He already factored in that after Saul would go through these different towns and these different districts and area, that once he reached the district of Zoop, that Saul would then want to turn back. He would want to throw in the towel. And because God I had already factored in that Saul was going to do that, he already had a solution in place. And that solution was the servant. It is the servant that tells Saul, that convinces Saul not to turn back, but to seek after a man of God from that area. A man of God that he knew of his reputation. He knew that this man of God was highly respected. He knew that everything that this man would say comes true. Saul wanting to throw in the towel, wanting to give up, was already, God had already factored that in. That was already part of God's plan. God already knew that this was going to happen. So God already had a solution in place for when this was to take place. The servant was already there in place. He was already on the journey with Saul. He was already part of God's plan. He was already in position to convince Saul not to give up, not to turn back, but to look to this town and to seek after this man of God who was highly respected and whose words he says come true. And so the same is true for us. God has already factored in. He's already factored in those times where we may feel like giving up. He's already factored that in. He already knows that there's going to be times where we are on a journey, where we're on an assignment that is going to be leading, that will lead to our purpose. He already knows that there's going to be a a point in our process where we're going to want to give up, where we're going to want to throw in the towel. But God has already factored this. And because he's already factored this, he's already had he already has a solution already in place. He already has placed someone in our lives that will be an encourager, someone who um, when we want to throw the towel in, they throw it back at us. There's always he's already factored that in. He's already placed someone there. He's already placed an encourager that will say to us to keep moving forward. He already placed someone in our lives that will provide a solution when we are ready to give up. And so the servant tells Saul to let's seek after this man of God and perhaps he will tell us which way to take because again, this man, this man of God, he has a reputation that whatever he says comes true and he is highly respected. Saul agrees. He agrees with um, the servant and he, he tells him, he said, let's go, let's go, let's go see this man of God. And so in verse 10, they set out for the town where the man of God was. Verse 11, as they were going up the hill to the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water. And they asked them, is the seer here? Which the seer is another word used to describe a prophet. So they asked them, is the seer here? And they responded and said he is. And, and they go, they move on to tell them that he's ahead of them and that if they hurried, they needed to hurry because he had just come in, he had just come to 
our town today for the people have a sacrifice at the high place. Then they go on to tell him, as soon as you enter the town, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. Because the people will not begin eating until he come because he must bless the sacrifice. This also is part of God's plan. These young women that they came in contact with. These young women are in the right place at the right time to share with them the whereabouts of the one whom they are seeking. They are seeking, they're asking about the seer, and that seer, we will come to know that seer is Samuel. And so these young women, just like the lost donkeys are part of God's plan, the assignment that Kish sends his son and the servant on to go look for the lost donkeys, that's part of God's plan. Going through the different territories is part of God's plan. Them reaching the district of Zoop and Saul wanting to give up. That's part of God's plan. The servant talking Saul out of giving up, but to seek after the man of God. That's part of God's plan. And here, these young women, they are also part of God's plan. What is happening here is God is connecting the dots. He is connecting the dots in order to connect Saul to his purpose. And when we think about connected dots, think about when you were in school, your teacher would hand you a piece of paper. This exercise on this paper would be called the connected dots, which is a form of a puzzle that contained a sequence of numbered dots. And what you would do is you would draw a line from dot to dot. And that line drawn was to connect each dot. And at, by connecting each dot, it would then begin to show an outline of an object or a picture. Each time that you would connect a dot, each dot that you would connect, it will start to reveal a picture. It will outline a picture. A picture will emerge from this exercise. So what is happening here is like an unto connect the dots. God is connecting the dots that will eventually cause a picture to be revealed, meaning that Saul's purpose will begin to be revealed as God continues to connect all the dots. Those dots where God is drawing a line from dot to dot. He's going from the lost donkeys to the assignment, sending um, Saul on the assignment to go look for the lost donkeys. And then he's, he's continually connecting the dots. He's connecting the dots through the hill country of Ephraim. He's connecting the dots through the area of Shalice. He's connecting the dots through the district of Shalem. He's continuing to connect the dots through the territory of Benjamin. He's connecting the dots, the dots as they reach the district of Zoop. He's connecting the dots as the servant is instructing Saul to seek the man of God for a solution to their problem. He's connecting the dots as they are moving forward to seeking after this man of God. He's connecting the dots where they encounter these young women. He's, con he's connecting the dots where they have knowledge to where the seer is. They, again, God is connecting the dots. He's connecting them at the right time with the right people. And so they just encountered the young women. The young women have knowledge of where the seer is. They have information of the, um, they have knowledge of where this man of God is, and then they point them in the right direction. Again, God is connecting the dots.
And so they went up to the town as they were instructed by the young women. And as they were entering the town, there was Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the high place. Again, God is connecting the dots. They, as they were coming up to the town, as they were entering it, here comes Samuel coming towards them. Look at destiny colliding together. They're coming and they're entering in the town and here comes Samuel coming towards them on his way to the high place. And so in verse 15, it says that the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel and he had said to him, he told him about this time tomorrow, I'm going to send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people, Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. So what this is saying to us is that although God didn't reveal his plan to Saul, he, however, revealed his plan to Samuel. Some might ask, even myself, well, why did God choose to reveal his plan to Samuel, but not to Saul? I don't know why God didn't choose to reveal his plan to Saul. I don't know why he chose to reveal it to Samuel and not Saul. The text doesn't tell us, and so I don't have an answer for that. But what I do know is God is God, and God can do whatever he wants to do, and God will do whatever he wants to do because he is God. The Bible tells us that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so, again, the text doesn't tell us why he chose to reveal his plan to Samuel and not Saul. Again, he is God. He can do whatever he wants to do because he is God and that's his business. And God is good at minding his business. And we should do the same. We should mind our own business. We should never try to get in God's business. God is God alone. He don't need us to get in his business. He don't need no assistance from us to take care of his business. He can orchestrate his business however he wants to orchestrate it. If he doesn't want to tell us his plan, if he wants to hide his hand from us to accomplish his plan, if he wants to work behind the scenes to accomplish his plan and purpose for our lives, he can do that. Or if he wants to reveal up front what his plan and purpose is for our lives, he can do that because he is God. And because he's God, he can do what he wants to do, when he wants to do, how he wants to do, and in the time that he wants to do it. And so he revealed his plan to Samuel. He had revealed his plan to Samuel the day before. And he had told Samuel what to expect. He told him that at this time tomorrow, he gave him a time that he would send a man from the land of Benjamin. And then he told him what to do. He told him to anoint him ruler over his people Israel. And then he told him, the purpose that he will serve. He said he will deliver. He His purpose is to deliver them out of the hands of the Philistines. Again, he revealed his plan to the prophet Samuel. He didn't even have a clue that this was going on, that God was working all of this out behind the scenes. He had no idea that the assignment that he was on to find these lost sheep was being orchestrated by God. And so when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord told him, he confirmed to Samuel, he said, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. 
And so as God is revealing this to Samuel, as he is confirming this to Samuel, Saul is approaching Samuel in the gateway and he asked him, would you please tell me where the seer house is? Samuel reveals to him that he is the seer. And so before Saul could tell him what he was seeking him about, he tells Saul to go ahead of him to the high place because he wanted to invite him to then he, he wants to eat with him. He wants Saul to eat with him. And then he tells him in the morning, I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. And then it is here that he tells him, um, as for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. And so before Saul could tell him what he was seeking him for, he tells him, he tells him that the donkeys that he lost three days ago have already been found. So this is an indication that God had already revealed to Samuel what had been going on with Saul. And so he shared with him that your donkeys, okay, you've been on this assignment to find your donkeys. I'm sharing with you that your, donkey, your donkeys have been found, the ones you lost three days ago. And then he tells him, don't worry about them. And so he invites him to come eat with him. And then before they go up to eat, he tells Saul also, he says, and to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family? So he's sharing with Saul that the, all the desire of Israel is turned to him and his family. Their desire for the king is, is turned to him and his family. Meaning that the, the king will come out of the line of Benjamin. Saul answered, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? So, instead of accepting what Samuel had said to him, he challenges Samuel. He says, why do you say such a thing to me? Don't you know that I am not but a Benjamin, Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? Don't you know that my clan, which is my family, my unit, my family unit is the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? This is an indication that Saul cannot embrace what Samuel is saying because of how he sees himself, how he sees his family. He sees himself, uh, his family as the smallest tribe. He sees him, his his um, his. He also sees his family as the least of the clans. And so he's not able to embrace what Samuel was saying because of how he views his, his tribe, how he views his family. And so Sam, Samuel doesn't address that. He doesn't address his challenge. Instead, Samuel brings Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number. And then Samuel said to the cook, he said to bring the piece of meat that he had told him to lay aside for Saul. And so the cook did just that. He took up the thigh with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. And then Samuel said, here is what I has been kept for you. Eat because it was set aside for you this occasion from the time I said I have invited guests. 
And so Saul dined with Samuel that day. This is all a part of God's plan. Even down to Saul being invited to take part in this meal. This is all a part of God's plan. What we have here is we see here that God is blessing Saul while he is continuing to connect the dots. He has not been anointed the first king of Israel yet. Again, he is still in the process. God is still taking him through the steps in order to get him to the place that God wants him at. And that place is to be anointed the first king of Israel. But while he is in the process, God is blessing him. Here we find that Samuel has seated him at the head of those who were invited to this feast. He is seated in a place of honor. There's about 30 people in number and he is seated he is seated in the hall. He is seated at the head of those who were invited. So he is in a place of honor. Not only is he in a place of honor, but God is blessing him in a way where we see that Samuel has also set aside a portion of meat specifically designated for him. This was set aside for him way before he even arrived. He told Saul, he told him that what I have for you, this portion of meat, Verse 24, this portion of meat has been kept for you. It was set aside for you for this occasion. It was set aside from the time I said I had invited guests. This was before you even arrived. This was already set aside for you. So in this process, while Saul is going through this process of um, being anointed Israel's first king, as he is in the middle of this process, God is blessing him. He has reserved him a seat of honor. He has reserved him a portion that uh, of meat that has been designated specifically and especially for him. During the middle of this process, he has earned a place of honor. And maybe I shouldn't say earn, but there is a place of honor reserved for him. There is a portion of meat reserved from him. This was already set in place. This was already designated prior to him arriving and in the same sense as we are going through the process as God is moving his hand as his hand is moving us closer and closer to our purpose the purpose that he has for us as he's moving us through the process we too like Saul God has a place he has a place of honor set aside for us a place that was already set aside that was reserved for us that is prior to our arrival and in the same sense he has a portion he has provision just like he had that per portion of meat for Saul he had it set aside for Saul for Saul prior to his arrival and in the same sense God has provisions already assigned to us already designated for us waiting for our arrival in the middle of our process, on our way to our purpose. God blesses us. He sits us in a seat of honor. He's preserving a portion that is designated, that is assigned for us. He is making provision for us. And so Samuel and Saul, they eat the meal, they dine together, and then after they dine together, they came down from the high place to the town and Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of the house. And then they arose about daybreak and Samuel called to Saul on the roof. He tells him to get ready because he's about to send him on his way. 
And so when Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. And as they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while so that I may give you a message from God. In chapter 10, verse 1, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? God is connecting the dots. He is finally connecting that dot of his purpose for Saul. And that is to anoint Saul to be the king of Israel. But what we must understand is here, what Samuel is doing is a private event. What is taking place is a private event. Notice he told the servant to go ahead. This anointing that's taking place, this anointing that he is doing, that he is anointing Saul, is taking place privately. There is no one around but Samuel and Saul. And so what this allows us to understand is that this particular anointing, yes, he will be anointed publicly as we continue to um, read on through the next couple of chapters. We will see his public anointing. But this particular anointing right here, this is a private anointing. This is not something that is for the public. Saul sent the servant on ahead. He told I mean, Samuel sent the servant on ahead. He told Saul to stay here for a while because he had something to give him. He had a message from God. And so as when the servant left, then Samuel took a flask of oil, olive oil, and poured it on Saul's head to anoint him privately. God is connecting the dots. He has connected the dots. His plan has is being manifest. He is being anointed the first king of Israel but it is being done privately. What this is saying to us is there. There is a plan of God in God's plan. There is times in the plan of God where what God is doing in our life, what God wants to do in our life, he wants to do in private. This is something that will take place between you and him. It's not for the public. It's not for everybody else to know about. This is something that is just between you and God. This is private. This is a private event. What God wants to do in our lives, it's private. It is between us and him. Our mother is not invited. Our father, our cousins, our best friends, no one. This is just between God and us. Nobody else has an invitation. This is just you and God. And so we must recognize there are times where things will be made public, but there are times when things must remain private. And this is a situation that must remain private for a particular time. Samuel has anointed Saul to be king over Israel, but he did this in a private way. This is a private matter. It is not the time for it to be made public. It is not the season for it to be made public. And in the same sense, what God is doing in our life is not the time for it to be made public. It's time for us to shut our mouth. This is a season where we must move in silence. It's nobody else's business at this time. What God is doing in our life is a private matter. 
And so we must move in silence. We got to get out of the habit of posting what God is doing on social media. We got to get out of the habit of calling our girlfriends or our best friends or whoever or our moms or whatever. We got to get out of that habit of sharing all of our information. There is some information that should remain private. It should just be between us and God. We need to close our lips. We need to put our hands over our lips and close our lips. Because now is not the time to share private stuff publicly. And so he anoints Samuel privately. He anoints him to be ruler over um, God's inheritance. And then Samuel, after he anoints him, he tells him all the things that are going to take place on his way home. He tells him that two men near Rachel's tomb will say to him that the donkeys that you have set out to find have been found and that his father was now worrying about him. He goes on to tell him that three men going up to worship God at Bethel, he will meet them along the way. Um, one will be carrying three young goats, another two, three loaves of bread, the other a skin of wine. They will greet him and offer him two loaves of bread in which he will accept. Then he goes on to tell him that after that, this is as he's going back home, that he will go to Gibeah of God where there's a Philistine outpost. And as he approached that town, he will see um, a per he will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place where lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. And then he says in verse 6, The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Then he says, Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do for God is with you not before all of these signs are completed he says after and we can learn a valuable lesson here anytime that we are given instructions we must do those instructions in the order that they came we should not try to skip any instructions we should not try to go around any instructions we should follow the instructions to a T he told him that once these signs are fulfilled then you can do whatever your hand finds to do so we would learn a good lesson of not putting the cart before the horse. We need to make sure that we are taking care of first thing first before we move on to do something else. Then in verse 8, he told him to go down ahead of him to Gilgal and that he will surely come down to sacrifice. And we will see this a little later on in the scriptures. And then as in verse 9, as Saul turned to leave Samuel, it is then that God changed Saul's heart. And so all of these signs were fulfilled that day. All of those signs that Samuel had told, that Samuel had told Saul would happen, had already been fulfilled. And so when he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. Just as Sam, Samuel had told him, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him. And he, just as Samuel had told him, and he joined in their prophesying. And so... After all of this happened, Saul um, has returned home and he is being, verse 14, he is being approached by his uncle. And he is being approached by his uncle. His uncle is asking, where have y'all been? And they respond. They said, looking for donkeys, he said. But when we saw that they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. This is Saul talking to his uncle. His uncle is, asked, is questioning him about where he has been. And so... Saul tells his uncle 
where he had been and then he had also mentioned that because he couldn't find the donkeys that he sought Samuel and then the uncle says well tell me what Samuel said to you Saul replied he said he assured us that the donkeys have been found but get this he t- but he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship remember that was a private matter that was between him and Samuel and so we see here in the text that Samuel that Saul did not tell his uncle what happened about the kingship he didn't divulge all the information he told him some of the stuff that happened but he didn't tell him everything and so this helps us to understand that private stuff should remain private here Saul is an example that shows us that although this is family that's asking although his uncle is inquiring about what all was said and what all was done Saul stood his ground and kept private his private matters private he refused to share with his uncle the things that took place concerning his kingship. And so, as we see with tonight's text, we see that God's hand is moving in the life of Saul. It was moving in a way that, at first, Saul did not recognize it. He was unaware of God's movement in his life. And so, we also see that God uses, he uses the mundane things, the mundane events in our lives to accomplish his purpose for our lives. But not not only that, we see how God has accomplished his purpose in Saul's life, but we the Bible is filled with many examples of God accomplishing his plan for people. We've seen it with the woman with the issue of blood. God's plan was to heal her. And so he connected all the dots in her life in order to accomplish that. You know, he connected the dot even when the doctors, she was going from doctor to doctor and wasn't healed because it wasn't in the will of God for her to be healed that way. It was in God's will. His plan was for his son Jesus to heal her. And so he connected connected those dots and out of connecting those dots, his purpose for her life emerged. And that picture, that he picture from connecting those dots was a picture of her being healed. But not only that, the greatest of all to accomplish for his plan and purpose to be accomplished in the life of his son, Jesus. But the greatest of all is Jesus. God connected all the dots in his life. He connected the dot when he was born of the Virgin Mary. He connected the dot where he he healed the sick and raised the dead. He continued to connect the dots of his plan and purpose for Jesus's life where he was betrayed and where he was accused, where he was falsely accused. God continued to connect the dot for his son where he was hung on the cross of Calvary, where he died and where he was buried and where he rose on the third day again god is connecting he was connecting all of those dots in his son jesus christ to accomplish his plan and purpose for jesus life and as he continued to connect those dots as he was buried and as he rose on the third day with all power in his hand and now he is seated on the right hand of the father god connected those dots and god is continuing to connect those dots because as he's continuing to connect those dots what we will see as he connect the dots that that last dot that he will connect is, is that he is coming back again he is coming 
back again to retrieve us, to take us home with him. And so that concludes our Bible study this evening. Thank you for tuning in. I pray that you were blessed as I was, and I pray that you will have a blessed, continued week. This has been another broadcast of Living the Bible Together with Dr. Troy Shaw from the Liberty Hill Church, where we worship virtually on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information or to contribute to this ministry, please visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. God bless you and have a great week. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry.